everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. This book basically is just telling story after story about how to love people and how he's been loved and how he's shown love. And uh, one of the early stories he tells is that he's sitting on his backyard and this kid, a young man named Ryan, walks up. And he says uh, to Bob, Bob doesn't know him, he says, Hi, I'm Ryan and I'm in love. Bob says, Great, I'm Bob. Kind of like, what, what do you want? And Ryan says, Well, I'm in love. And I want to get married to this girl. And I know I don't know you, but I was wondering if I could propose in your backyard. Bob says, yeah, sure. Why not? So he has this house that's, I, I don't know if it's on a lake or on the ocean, but uh, it's, it's a waterfront house. And, and Ryan is, is just surprised. He thought he was going to get the, ah, I'll have to think about it, or no, nah, I don't think so. But, but Bob says, yeah, sure, why not? So uh, Ryan kind of skips away. He's in love and he's happy. The next day, Ryan comes back. Ryan says, hey, um, I was wondering if during the proposal if we could serve dinner. <laughs> Bob says, yeah, sure, why not? So Ryan skips away and the next day he comes back again. He says, okay, so I'm going to need some help serving dinner. Uh, do you mind if I have some friends that come over and help do the, the dinner service and all that. And, Ryan, and Bob says, sure, yeah, why not? He's thinking, man, this guy's really in love. This plan keeps getting bigger and bigger. Uh, Bob says, so how many people will you need to serve this dinner? He said, uh, 20. Okay, so 20 people, uh, 22 people are coming over to Bob's house for this proposal. Uh, Ryan comes back day after day. The plan keeps getting bigger and bigger. Uh, until finally, the very last day, uh, you know, before the proposal comes, he comes up and says, hey, Bob, do you have a boat? And Bob thinks, man, it is not in my normal habit of being to let people borrow my boat. He says, yeah, I have a boat. Why do you ask? He's like, I was wondering if I could propose on your boat. Can I borrow your boat? He says, yeah, I'll take you out on my boat. See what he did there? So, uh, so the plan is all set. Bob, he goes and calls the Coast Guard. Uh, so the, the night goes as planned. They go out on, uh, on the boat. The Coast Guard ships are kind of hovering nearby. Ryan gets down on one knee. The girl says yes. Bob looks at the Coast Guard ship and goes, <laughs> the Coast Guard starts shooting off water cannons. <laughs> like fireworks. Like there's this beautiful uh, moment that, that just started with a simple ask that grew, that in some ways got out of hand, and it was contagious. Like Bob not only just kept saying, yes, he caught the love fever, and then when he went and asked the Coast Guard, hey, could you help me out with this guy who's proposing, they went along with it too. And you know, I wonder if, if God's love is like that, if God's love just compounds and gains momentum. Have you ever thought about God's love in that way? Like, could God's love for you really be that big? A love that's so big that it's contagious? 
A love that just keeps getting better and better and better the more you go. A love that is actually beyond what you could ever dream, imagine, or hope for. I mean, I believe, yes. I believe that God's love for you is like that. And we've been doing this series, Love Like Jesus, and I think this is going to be an important series for us. We started out and talking about the width of Jesus' love, how Jesus is loving people that a lot of people have pushed away, uh, but Jesus cuts through and says, yeah, I'm going to love you. It's kind of like here at the vineyard, like we let anybody in. If you've been rejected by a church, if you've been rejected by your family, if you've been rejected by your friends, if culture has said, ah, you know, we don't really like the sorts of behaviors that you have or the type of person you are, like, there's space for you here. We're going to love you. Uh, last week, we talked about the depth of Jesus' love. Do you remember that? We talked about uh, agape love, which is a funny Greek word that basically describes a kind of love that is sacrificial and selfless and undeserved. And we said God loves you deeply. He loves you in those ways. And some people responded by signing up to join the care team that uh, we're just launching now. And you could do that again today on your Connect card if you want. But it's, it's opportunities for people to basically say, like, yeah, I'm going to be selfless and help somebody that I know when they need help. Today we're going to talk about uh, the fact that Jesus' love is strong. So Jesus' love is wide, Jesus' love is deep, and Jesus' love is strong. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 5. Luke is a man who lived right around the time of Jesus, and he was a medical doctor, which is actually pretty interesting for today's passage. But he uh, made it his mission to collect stories about Jesus from witnesses, and he wrote it all down in this book called Luke. So uh, I just, I just want to pray here a second. We're going to invite God's Spirit to come, uh, and I know that some people are coming in from all different places, like maybe you're coming in with anxiety or stress. Maybe it was from the car ride here. Maybe you had a bad week. But we want to invite God into this place so that he can meet you, okay? So Holy Spirit, come. I ask that as we sit here and as we listen to uh, your words being spoken, that they would pierce uh, the deep parts of our soul, that your love would overwhelm us uh, and bring us to a place of hope and joy and healing. So we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're in Luke 5, I'm going to start in verse 12 and read down through verse 16. I think this is one of my favorite healings of Jesus, and uh, well, you, might, you can maybe see why. But in verse 12, it says, In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. You guys know what leprosy is? Bad news. Uh, in fact, the Greek indicates that this man had a body that was full of leprosy. So best case scenario, this man is covered with rashes all over his body. Uh, worst case scenario, and this is more likely, this man had rotting flesh. Like he maybe had uh, fingers that had fallen off, maybe an ear that had fallen off. He is maybe contorted. Uh, really, really nasty disease that uh, still exists in very remote impoverished pockets of our world today, but uh, most of us, I don't think, I never have, have met anybody with leprosy, but it was, it was a devastating disease. So this man with leprosy uh, sees Jesus, and he bows with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, 
If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. And I just want you to know, uh, this word willing, I feel like it's almost too weak. I know a little bit of Greek, and uh, when I looked at this word in the Greek, it's really more about a desire. Uh, Think about Jesus saying, yeah, I want to. Sort of like that kid that came to Bob Goff and said, hey, would you be willing to let me borrow your backyard for this proposal? And Bob says, yeah, I'm willing. This guy with leprosy uh, comes to Jesus and says, are you willing to heal me, to make me clean? And Jesus says, yeah, of course, I want to. That's pretty profound in itself, that Jesus wants to heal us. Have you ever thought about that? This is Jesus' desire. He wants to make us clean. Okay, so Jesus says, I want to, and be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone. And he said, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer, which is interesting. Okay, so as I said, we're doing this series, Love Like Jesus. And one of the things we've been doing is we've been asking you uh, at points of our service to just sit quietly and let God speak to you about how you might love like Jesus specifically this week. Uh, And I've been hearing just a few of the stories. You guys probably know stories that I haven't heard because we've been talking about it in our life groups during the week. And I'm only in one life group, so I just heard stories from that one life group. But, uh, I mean, just this morning, I experienced someone loving like Jesus. There's a church very much like ours. In fact, virtually the same as this very church. Uh, And his wife, sorry, the pastor's wife, uh, left for worship practice early that morning And the funny thing is, this pastor of this church that's virtually like ours uh, sometimes is absent-minded and forgetful. And he left his set of keys in the car that his wife took to worship practice this morning. Uh, So at about 8.55, the pastor's looking for his keys. And it's not unusual for the pastor to lose his keys. But, you know, he looks in all the normal places. And he even has this little thing on his keys. Maybe you saw this last, a couple weeks ago. I don't know why. I just couldn't find a place to put them in my pocket. See this little blue thing? This pastor in that church that's virtually like ours has one of these little blue things on his key. And if he loses his keys, he can use his phone and his keys will beep at him. It's pretty cool. Anyway, about 9.15, he's given up and he calls his wife and says, do you know where my keys are? She said, yeah, they're in your... uh, in my car. Don't you have a spare set? I said, yeah, I don't know where those are either. <laughs> I said, we live about 18 minutes from the church. <laughs> so 20 minutes later, she arrives, and 20 minutes after that, I got here. But anyway, uh, loving like Jesus. <laughs> real life. <laughs> Pastors love like Jesus too. Okay. But really, for real, for serious. You know, I've heard stories about people writing little notes, dropping them in the mail. Uh, simple things. Sending flowers. And then just the incredible response coming back of like, wow, that that really loved me. Thank you. Uh, I I had a friend who told me uh, when we did that little exercise and and sat and said, God, how do you want me to love like you this week? 
my friend said, you know, this, this man came to my mind, and I knew I had to do something. He said, this man, uh, my friend's friend is a Mennonite, and he had 12 kids. And he literally, he, like, he just married off his 12th kid, right? And, and in came this diagnosis for his wife who had, I can't remember what it was. It was a really bad disease, died super suddenly. And so this man who had a, imagine this, a house full of life is now living in a house full of death. And he, he's, he's grieving the loss of his wife all alone. And my friend says, you know, I went over there, I knocked on his door, I offered my condolences. He said, and it was awkward, but I, I gave that man a hug. And he said, that guy hugged me back so tight, I couldn't believe it. Guys, Jesus' love is strong. What that man did for the other guy, that was, that was a way to show Jesus' love. And that was a strong thing to do for that man to give a hug. Jesus' love is strong, guys. Jesus' love in this passage teaches us that Jesus' love is stronger than religion. Now, I don't, I don't know what the word religion feels like to you when I say it, but what I mean is a system uh, where you have to behave a certain way in order that uh, God will accept you and love you. And often what religious people do is they'll create categories of, of good people and bad people. And the funny thing is, for a religious person, they almost always put themselves in the good category. And then they'll put you know, other people who aren't quite like them in the bad category. And so there's, there's division, and there's prejudice, and there's hatred. And, and Religion is bad, guys, as I'm talking about it. Religion is bad. And this, this passage actually kind of shows us a little bit how religion, religion is bad. Did you notice that, that it was strange that after Jesus healed the man, uh, what the man had to do was go to the priest? Wouldn't you think the man would go to a doctor? No, he had to go to the priest because in that religious system, if you had leprosy, you were put into a category and you were basically expelled from the community and not just because of your disease, but because you were termed unclean. And so in order to reintegrate into the community, you didn't have to go to the doctor, you had to go to the religious authority of the day. And then the religious authority had to say, okay, yeah, you're good. And he would do this like sequence of sacrifices and then, and then he could come in. He could come back into the society. He could be clean once again. And so what, what a religious, uh, what religion can do is it can take people and it can, it can push them out. And we set these signposts of, you know, you're not, you're not willing, you're not good enough to be part of us. But then it goes farther than that, uh, especially in this, this sense, because to be unclean meant that you were not good enough to come into the presence of God. You were not allowed to come anywhere near the temple if you were termed unclean. You weren't allowed to be close to God because of your, because he's clean, right? And you're unclean. And what does Jesus 
say? What does Jesus do for this man in verse 12? Uh, rather, verse 13. Be healed. But before that, he says, or he does, what he does is Jesus reached out and touched him. This is pretty, this is pretty incredible because there's this thing that Christians believe. Christians believe that Jesus was God. So while the religion is saying you're unfit to come into the presence of God, Jesus, who was God, cuts through the religion, is stronger than the religion, and actually reaches out and touches the man. He's not just in the presence of the man. He does something more intimate and more loving than that. He touches the man. This man who had not been touched for God knows how long. Because he'd been put out of the society. He'd been put out of the community. He was off limits. If you touched the man, you too would become unclean and therefore unfit to come into the presence of God. And Jesus, who was God, reaches out and touches him. I think that's, that's maybe the reason why I, I love this miracle so much. Pretty amazing. So Jesus' love is stronger than religion. Jesus' love is stronger than fear, too. So uh, beyond the ritual uncleanness, uh, there, there was like actual risk here that came with touching somebody who had leprosy. You know why? Because leprosy was contagious. There was a risk that there would have been a transmission of the disease. You know, maybe not to Jesus, because like he's, but maybe. Like Jesus was fully human. Christians believe that too. Jesus probably got sick. You ever think about that? Jesus probably occasionally caught a cold. Could have he have caught in leprosy? Well, I don't know. Those are, those are questions for the philosophers, I suppose. But the, the idea here, what I'm saying is, if you want to love like Jesus, there are things to be afraid of. There are things that will be risky. So let me ask you, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of losing? I mean, if you help a poor person, they might steal your stuff. If you help a sick person, you might get sick. Then you might make your kids sick. Uh, if you help any person, that person might take advantage of you. Like, these are real risks. But no, really, like, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of financial distress? Are you afraid of missing out on something? Because I'm, if I go and help this person, I might not be able to do this other fun thing that my friends came up with last second. But I decided in my heart I was going to go do this, do this good thing. I was going to love this person this particular way. What, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of rejection? That comes all the time, friends. If you're showing love, you might be rejected by people who think that, you might be rejected by religious people. You love the wrong person, you might be rejected by religious people. Uh, you love people, you might be rejected by the people that you're trying to love. It happened to Jesus all the time. As soon as he said something difficult, people would like disappear. They, crowds turned into, into a group of 10 or 12 guys. Jesus is stronger than all those things. 
So I ask you again, what are you afraid of? Jesus is stronger than fill in the blank. So I actually, what I want to do here just for a second, I know that all of you can fill in that blank. What do you need Jesus to be stronger than? What are you afraid of? And so what I want you to do, if you would just close your eyes for just a second. Nobody's going to steal your money. Uh, I want you to imagine that thing, that person that you're afraid of. Uh, maybe that's a person you're afraid of being rejected by. Maybe you don't know. Then you should just ask God, like, what is it that I, where do I need you? Or what am I afraid of? Maybe it's a person's name. Maybe, maybe you can imagine a stack of money. Whatever it is that you need, just imagine that you're holding it in your hand. And now in your heart, surrender it to Jesus. Hand it over to him. What happens to that thing? Jesus is stronger than rejection. Jesus is stronger than sickness. Jesus is stronger than fear. You can open your eyes now. What happened to the thing? For me, it just like, like went, in, went into thin air. What's Jesus going to do with your fears? He's going to take them. He's stronger than your fears. Yeah, bad things might happen. It won't be so bad. Because <laughs> Jesus will be with you, loving you, beside you. You know, uh, I don't know if this is, this is still the way it works. But uh, when I was in college, I was on a, on a leadership team. Uh, and one of the people I was on a leadership team was, was homosexual. And I remember sitting and talking with him one time. And he said, you know, straight guys won't hug me. And I was like, what? He said, I, I, think, they think I'm, I think they think I'm contagious or something. Or I, I don't know. I said, gosh, I'm sorry. I'd never thought about that before. I'm sorry. And so, gosh, I just hugged the guy every time I saw him. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I had, my, I had my beliefs and thoughts and all that, but that didn't keep me from, from loving him, from hugging him. And, and it, it, it's still true, but at that time, I think it was more true. This was only 10, 15 years ago, somewhere in that range. But, you know, the, the marginalized of society, the, the judged, the criticized, the the people for whom there's not a lot of love, Jesus wants to love. The, the people for whom the religious have kind of put over in this box and, and, and ostracized, like, Jesus wants to love. Jesus' love is stronger than fear. It's stronger than religion. Here's something that's pretty cool. Uh, in a tight, slightly different topic, I suppose. But obviously, we, we read these stories about Jesus healing people. And you have to believe that Jesus' love is stronger than sickness, right? Stronger than sickness and disease. 
Jesus, in a moment, touches a man with leprosy. And not only is there not a, a ritual kind of religious uncleanliness that transfers to Jesus, Jesus' cleanliness transfers to the man in very physical, practical ways. He says, be healed, and the leprosy's gone. Uh, he does this for all sorts of other diseases. And, and I feel like in our Western world, a lot of us don't have a worldview that is open to that happening. I'm not necessarily talking about people in this room, but for many people, if, if it can't be proven, if it can't be scientifically measured, then it, it can't be true. But that's, that's kind of a uniquely Western concept uh, that we need to be able to repeat and measure things all the time, right? And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a, a strength of our, of our uh, culture, but it does have its blind spots. Like, there's a lot of people all over the world who believe that the divine could step in and do the miraculous, like Jesus does here. And we're a group of people who believes that too. And let me tell you, I've been in the vineyard 10 years or so. This was the weirdest thing for me. And I grew up in a, in a Christian home, went to a Christian school and all the rest. And when I started to hear people talk about miracles, it freaked me out. <laughs> in fact, uh, one of the things that opened my mind to it, I think, was that I really liked a girl who had seen up close an astounding miracle. Whereas most of the time, I would have come in very skeptically and suspiciously and been like, yeah, that probably didn't really happen. But I, I'm, I meet this girl named Allison, and she has a background in the vineyard. And she said, I went on this missions trip, and there's a blind person. Uh, and we prayed for the blind person, and he could see. I was like, oh, okay. I guess that stuff happens in the Bible. Maybe it happens today, too. All right. And the weird thing is, the more people I talked to in this weird vineyard group, like the more often I heard, like, yeah, I saw healing too. Or, yeah, I was healed. In fact, I asked on Facebook uh, this week if some people would tell their stories. And, and a few people did. And uh, I just want to, this is like public, uh, oops, public domain here. So let me just pull this one up. This one's pretty cool. do, 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 do. do. They make you scroll so far down. I've been posting too much stuff, I guess. Oh, wait, did I just go down? No. If I didn't show up five minutes before the service started, I might have had this ready. Okay. All right, I'm not going to name this person's name, but uh, I, think, I think it's just it's amazing. Uh, the person says, I recently moved into the neighborhood and went to see how it was at the Vineyard Church. I had severe chronic pain in my right side from a swollen ovary and a cyst. And despite hospitalization, I was uh, daily in pain. It was something sharp prodding me from the inside all the time. And, you know, there was a time at the end of the service about praying for those in deep pain and suffering, right? Which we do at the end of every service. We say, we think God wants to do some stuff. Despite feeling shy about it, I got up and walked up to be prayed over. And I couldn't tell that any, I couldn't, I didn't tell anything to the two people who prayed for me. But they both laid hands on me, right? Just as Jesus touched the leper. Uh, she, she names the individuals, but I won't do that here. 
And she said that the person praying had this vision of a terrible sharp pain and how it was like a burning painful ball on my right side. All the while I was weeping silently, filled with awe, because she had seen God's hand reaching out and touching the painful sharp burning spot in order to heal me. I, I knew in that moment that I was healed for sure. I felt ease and peace. It's like the pain was taken care of in that moment. I, don't, I mean, you might believe it or you might not, but there's a couple other people who have posted on our Facebook page that you might know. You might go ask, like, hey, did this really happen? Uh, I guess I believe that healing happens, and I believe that when God does it, God is actually saying something. He's saying, I love you. You're in pain. And I want to take the pain away. I want to. And more than that, I want you to know that I love you. And every time Jesus goes around doing miracles in, in here, in the stories that you can read in the Bible, there's always this attachment. There's always this kind of spiritual gong that gets sounded. Right? I don't mean, not religious gong, spiritual gong that says, I love you. I have come near. My kingdom has come near. I want you to be clean. I am forgiving you of your sins, right? I think that's, that's what this is all pointing to. And of course, like when we pray for people in the vineyard, we don't pretend that healing happens every time, and we don't understand why not. But we, we just know we still live in a world that still has a lot of ugliness in it and uh, a lot of hate and a fair amount of disease and sickness. And we believe that Jesus' love is stronger than all those things. And we believe that he's going to come back and heal the whole world of all that stuff. Like, it's good news. Gosh, I hope Jesus' love is stronger than sickness. Jesus' love is stronger than even death. Other, I mean, if Jesus' love wasn't stronger than death and sickness, we're all going to get sick and die someday, and then that would be the end. But that's not our story. Our story is that Jesus' love is strong. And that sometimes Jesus' love will break in into the present. And that's why we have people available every week to give you prayer. And they pray for anything. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know, me in particular, when someone comes up and says, man, I'm really in a world of physical hurt, I like those because that's actually measurable, you know? Like, I, I don't see a, a ton of people get healed, but it only takes one out of a hundred to be like, wow, God is good, and he is active in our world. Am I right? Uh, so I just, I, I guess this is an announcement of sorts. Uh, the, the, we're, we're releasing a new person to lead the prayer ministry here at the Vineyard. And it's, it's really an important part of what makes us, us. Uh, her name is Emily, and I'm just going to play a little video here, and then uh, she'll introduce herself, I suppose. Sound good? Hi, everyone. My name is Emily Defnett, and I'm so excited for this opportunity to lead the prayer ministry here at the Vineyard Chester Springs. 
I became a part of the vineyard movement about four years ago when I was in graduate school at the University of Illinois. I've been attending this vineyard church here in Chester Springs for about the past three years now since moving back into the area for a job. But even since before coming to the vineyard, God has given me a real heart for prayer. And one of the things that I love about prayer is that everyone can do it. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, had a phrase, everyone gets to play. And prayer is really one area where that is true. Whether you're at church, at the grocery store, at work, or sitting on the couch at home, prayer is something anyone can engage in at any time. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. It has been said that prayer, simply put, is talking to God. The one thing God has been teaching me recently about prayer is that prayer doesn't even have to involve words. It is my hope and vision that through the prayer ministry here, you are able to deepen your prayer lives with God and that you feel equipped and empowered to pray for others no matter where you are. So whether you have been praying for your whole lives or this whole talking to God concept is new to you, I am excited to journey with you as we grow to love like Jesus in a prayerful way. Uh, we're, we're really excited about her. and it, it, There was a lot of things kind of moving in different directions, and we feel like God highlighted her uh, and called her to do this. And it, like I said, it is a really central part of who we are, the vineyards who offer prayer for people. And that includes physical stuff, but it includes every, everything too. And it's our way of saying, like, Jesus loves you. And Jesus' love is stronger than rejection or fear or psychological stuff or physical stuff or any of that. And I, I guess whenever people come up for prayer, a lot of you in this room have come up for prayer at the end of the service before. And you do, right? You feel loved at the end of it. Am I right? Okay, one more thing I want to land on here uh, before we go, go into worship. Jesus' love is stronger than shame. Jesus' love is stronger than shame. So I want to tell you a little bit more about this man with leprosy. Again, we don't know his name. We don't know a lot about him. But we do know, uh, based on the religious codes of the day, that he was living outside of community. But we know a little bit more than that. We know that many years prior to this moment, a moral and religious authority declared him to be unclean. Right? Somebody that the community respected looked at this man and said, you are unclean. You are unworthy. But more than that, uh, more than being put out of the community, more than not being touched, whenever somebody came with an earshot of this man, he had to yell out, unclean, unclean, un so that people would stay away. And you can imagine what that would do to the inside of a person. I know that there are people in this room for whom... Uh, you know, you've got people in your life who you respect and they have declared you stupid, worthless, an embarrassment. They've spoken words over you that have caused you great shame. 
and that's gone into the inside of you. Some of you weren't told that by someone else. You've been telling yourself that. And maybe it's because you screwed up really, really bad and did something that, that you don't even want to share in public or, or even in private with anybody. Maybe you screwed up so bad and you've been declaring yourself unworthy, unfit. And the shame is almost unbearable. You need to know that Jesus' love is stronger than your shame. Jesus reaches out and touches this man. He declares him clean. He heals him of what is broken. I, I imagine this man coming to Jesus. It says he put, put his face on the ground and begged. I, I wonder if it's because he couldn't even look people in the eyes anymore because he was so full of shame. Jesus does something. Something incredible. Because his love is strong. Let's pray. Jesus... We thank you for loving us with the strength of the universe and then some. We believe that you created all things, you sustain all things, and you're, you're pointing things toward a future uh, that we can hope for and long for because it's a, it's a future where your love is experienced perfectly in sickness and shame and, and all the other things that burden us will be taken care of. And so Holy Spirit, now come and meet us as we sing. Speak to us words of healing. Maybe even touch us by your Spirit so that we might experience you in a deeper way like we've never experienced you before. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.